Hey everyone, welcome to episode 169, All or Nothing People. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, you're probably wondering, why is the title the same as last week? It's not really, it has a little twist, but before we get into that, Today, my sister's son is grown and flown. He's officially moving away. It blows my mind because my sister's kids are kind of like my kids in a, in a way, like my second kids, because we waited so long, not by choice, to have kids. And so their kids kind of like filled that gap and scratched that itch where we were always like playing house with their kids. So my sister's kids and I all have two kids and we all have a boy and a girl, which I think is so bizarre. Three sisters, two kids each, a boy and a girl each. The only difference is they had their boy first and then their girl, and then I had my girl and then my boy. Not that they belong to me, but you know what I mean. And so there's six cousins on my side, and then there's uh, two on David's side. So on my side with the six cousins, three of the six are grown and flown. We still got my sister having one, and then obviously I have both of mine. Like, what is happening? It's so wild to me. So, like, when something happens to my sister's kids, I feel like it's happening to me. And I'm literally in denial, and i like, in shock that, like, half are grown and flown. And the other half, two of them are ours. So, it's just mind-blowing. And I never really know how to start each podcast, so I don't know if you want to start me just jump right in, or do you like to hear a little stuff about my personal life and what's going on in my neck of the woods. Sometimes I want to do that, but then I feel like I'm just talking about myself. So is it like engaging or is it selfish of me to do that? So let me know and I will tell you all the things because I'm an open book. I have nothing to hide. And so I love talking about all the stuff that's going on, but I also have to, I also have teenagers, a teen and a tween who don't want their, uh, all their business out there. So I have to uh, kind of toe the line a little bit. So we're talking about all or nothing with people because last week we talked about all or nothing with our habits and sometimes people don't start something because they either have to do it all perfectly or they don't do anything at all. Like we talked about working out or eating healthy or getting enough sleep or being on social media or having a clean house or yelling at our kids. Why am I talking like a robot? So we talked about those different examples and you can plug and play how all or nothing can really hold us back because we either have to do all of it or we do none of it. And doing none of it just exacerbates the problem, whatever the problem is that we're trying to solve. Because we're always in maintenance mode and staying in that Goldilocks balance of not too much, not too little. So now we're talking about with people, all or nothing thinking. Because this was so critical to why I was such a tense, snappy mom during my unconscious, stressful five years, four to five years, I was just a wreck. Like if you could see me now versus then, completely different person. 
because I was so tense and I was so stressed out and I felt like I was in an abusive relationship with my kids because I felt like all they did was yell at me and they were hitting me and they were tantruming and I was like, I'm so nice to you and then you're so mean to me and then the next minute you're so nice to me after you just like slap me in the face. Like, are you gaslighting me, three-year-old? Like, what is happening? I literally felt I would say that to David. I said, I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship. Not so much, they were they were hitters, but mostly it was the screaming and the yelling and the the um, the crying was just in so intense and they'd like have the red face and the blubbery lips and 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 then five seconds later they'd be like mommy you want to go on a walk to the uh, to go to the mailbox and I'm like bro I'm still recovering from what we just went through like what is happening you're like the 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 husband you hear about in the movies they uh, he beats his wife in the morning and then he comes home with flowers like nothing happened that's how I felt like I was on this roller coaster I couldn't even understand what was happening. And I had such all or nothing thinking about the kids. And I had no all or nothing thinking with my students in the classroom. So I was very confused. Like if my kids would do something like not share a toy at two, then I was like, oh my gosh, they're never going to have any friends. They're never going to go to prom. They're the, they're, there's something wrong with them, which means there's something wrong with me. Underneath it all, it was all about me and something inherently being wrong with me because I felt so broken going into parenting and going into parenthood because of all the infertility issues. I felt like this was proof of how much I'm not good enough and not worthy because I would take one little thing that they did and I would create this whole narrative that they were all bad. They were all wrong. There was all something going on. They had some type of disorder or some type of ailment. And there was something wrong with them, like if they didn't share a toy. So all or nothing thinking happens a lot with our kids. It also happens with ourselves. Like we make one mistake or we miss a workout or we have a messy house or we yell at our kids or we're snappy with our spouse or we don't show up the way we want in work. Then all of a sudden we turn that into a morality issue and we're all bad. Every part of us is bad. And that's what gets us into trouble because we talked about a couple weeks ago about is you're 100% worthy and there's nothing you have to do to earn that right, to earn that level of acceptance of yourself because you're never going to evolve to whatever goal and whatever next level you want to get to if you're beating yourself up along the way. I've tried it for years. It doesn't work. The beating myself up is still there. It just gets a little softer over time because you want to spend time in each category of 50-50. Now, in our family, we play this really strange game. I was almost going to do a podcast about it. I'm like, but that's kind of weird. Like, you know how families do weird things? We do a weird thing. We go around the table and we say everything that's awesome and annoying about the people in our family within our four walls. So Lily, Grady, Dave, and I are at Mexican restaurant and we're like, all right, let's play awesome and annoying. Because I think the more that you can embrace your annoying parts, then you can also embrace your awesome parts too. And it's not so all or nothing, but every human being has annoying parts and every human being has awesome parts. So you're never gonna be married to a spouse without annoying traits. And you're never gonna be married or have kids that have no annoying traits. And then you are also, I know this is hard to believe, but you have a lot of annoying traits too. And I used to push that away and be like, live in denial, get defensive. No, no, no. Leave me alone. You're so critical. Those, that's what I came back with. But when you drop the ego and you really listen to what they're saying, then it's more light and fluffy and you can kind of embrace the annoying parts of you and laugh at the annoying parts of you all the while working on them, but not 
really working on them because they're just part of who you are. Everyone has those little idiosyncrasies. Everyone has those little things that are just like, they get under other people's skin and other people are gonna have things that get underneath your skin. And the more you can embrace your annoying and all your flaws, but not make it a morality issue that there's something inherently wrong with you at the core, at the soul level. Because then when they tell you, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that. And when you say, hey, I can see that. So then when you talk to them about something that's annoying, that's they need to work on, they're like, yeah, I can see that. Then they drop their walls. But sometimes we want to be so perfect and then we want everybody else around us to be perfect because we have that all or nothing thinking about ourselves that we're so afraid of not being good enough. So we find that one thing to fixate on that's going to make us feel good enough. And usually it's our kids and spouse. And I think I've said 4,022 times on these podcasts that you cannot give the emotional responsibility of your worthiness and hand those, hand that baton over to your children, your spouse, your parents, your sisters, your brothers, your greedy, greedy grandpappies. And what have I said? I could literally make this into a big, I could literally make this into a bumper sticker. It's not their job. It's not their role. And they couldn't do it for you even if they wanted to, because guess what they need to work on? They need to work on their own worthiness and how they talk to themselves and to get out of their all or nothing thinking. So just like we need to say on their side of the street, they need to say on their side of the street too. And you will have people that come over on your side of the street and you will understand why they're doing that and you won't get so mad about it because we all do it. Whenever you're annoyed with someone or someone's frustrating you or you just want to wring their neck, it's usually something that we're doing or we're not literally looking at within ourselves or it's something that we do as well. And then we're like, oh, hey, I do that too. Like if your child overreacts about something. Sometimes when my kids overreact, I used to flip out that they were overreacting and then I would overreact about their overreacting. Like what? So now when they overreact, I'd be like, oh my good thing I never overreact like that. You know, and they're like, yeah, true story. And so we kind of like, lean into the overreaction because they'll say, sorry, overreacted. I'm like, yeah, I never overreact. I don't know why you're overreacting. And we're so sarcastic in our family. So they get that. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that. And then they come back with, yeah, I can. Good thing you never do. And then I give an example when I overreact. Overreacting is so normal. Or when they get overwhelmed, we all get overwhelmed. So whatever emotion they're going through, we've all felt that. We don't have to fix anything about their emotions or what they're going through. We just have to hold the space. Actually, we just get to hold the space and not be so all or nothing about who they are and who our spouse is or who our parents of origin are or our brother or a sister. I remember someone being coached and she was really upset that her brother was addicted to crack, which sounds really serious, and the coach was telling her, she's like, you know, you can make boundaries with your brother, but let's just drop into compassion for a minute of how hard it must be a, to be addicted to crack. And that doesn't make his behavior excusable, what he steals from you and things like that, or he doesn't show up for things, or he comes high to different events. And you can make boundaries in that area, and you can create distance and just keep him at an arm's length. But at the same time, drop into compassion when you're not with them because you'll probably only see them once a year versus once a week once you create boundaries. So if we're only going to see them once a year, during the 364 days that you're not with him, you can drop into compassion and empathy a little bit of how hard it is to be addicted to crack and what that life is like. 
That could be true if anyone's addicted to anything that you love. You create that distance because you want to keep yourself safe. But in those days and time that you're not with them, a lot of times we just beg for them to change and we want them to change. So we ruminate about they just need to change. They just need to change. They just need to change when they haven't changed for the last 10 years. So like Dr. Phil always says, the best predictor of future behavior is looking at past behavior. So instead of being surprised over and over and over that they're addicted to crack, what if we dropped into compassion and love? which doesn't mean he comes and lives with you when you give him all the money. It just means from afar, your thoughts about him don't drain you as much. And that can be true for anything that no one is all or nothing. You can drop into compassion and empathy for even people that you see homeless living underneath the bridge. Like that must be so hard. And what happened in their lives to get that way? We don't want to go all or nothing with ourselves, with our children, with our spouse, with our boyfriends, with our girlfriends, with our parents, with our greedy, greedy grandpappies, with our siblings, with our friends, with our boss. You always want to come from a place of curiosity. Then it doesn't jam you up so much. Then you're not losing sleep over the ex-husband or the ex-wife that's driving you insane. They don't get so much of your emotional power because you don't have to do all or nothing with them as long as you don't do all or nothing with yourself. When you find that middle ground and you can lean into your flaws and you can lean into your awesomeness and you can lean into the annoying traits about yourself, lean into the awesome traits about yourself, then you're not so push, you're not so defensive and pushing back when someone does bring up something that's annoying about you or something that's a flaw about you. It doesn't mean you're flawed as a human. It just means in this network, in this working relationship, wherever it's at work or at home, or at school, we can embrace it and not say, oh, my boss gave me some criticism. That means I'm a horrible person. I'm not good enough. I should just quit and give up. That's all or nothing thinking versus like, I can see where he's coming from. Even if he's totally off the mark, we can still see that's his perspective because perspective is everything with people. So this is what he or she is seeing. And then you can find the truth in parts of it. And then you can discard the rest. And then the people within your four walls, they know you the best. So they get a bigger grain of salt. Like, oh yeah, I can see that. And sometimes they're off the rocker and you're like, eh, can't really see that. But you still listen and you're open to it. So then when you have feedback for them, they're listening and open to it. And it doesn't mean they're a good kid or a bad kid. All kids are make, gonna make good choices, bad choices. All adults are gonna make good choices, bad choices. We as humans, every single day, make good choices and bad choices. When we make bad choices, that doesn't mean we're bad at the core soul level. When we make good choices, that doesn't mean we're good at the core soul level. We already have that inherently. We were given to the day we were born. Our worthiness, our value was already gifted to us the day you were born. So you have to do nothing more to achieve that. So then you, get, you don't have that destination addiction where you're trying to strive for your worthiness. It's already inherently with you. And then you can just lean into the annoying and awesome parts. And you can lean into the flaws and the awesome. And most of us spend a lot of time on our annoying parts and our flawed parts, and we just live there. And then we think if we just are hard enough on ourselves, we will evolve to the next goal or the next level or be a better parent or be a better weight or have a better job or have a better house or have it. Do you see how it's always better, better, better? There is no better there. Wherever you go, there you are. That's a famous country song. And so I'm just encouraging you which has helped thousands of clients, also helps me, is just spend a little bit more time focusing on the awesome parts, and then you'll be able to spend more time in the awesome parts of the people within your four walls. And when you do that, your life will change forever, 
and you'll have more harmony in the home. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.